Hey, everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, November 25th, 2012. It has been a crazy holiday Thanksgiving week. I have been so busy, busier than I expected. The holidays are not relaxing. They are stressful. And I have so much going on right now that I am just going to do an audio version only of our chat this week. Um, It just takes so long to set up the video and everything. And I still wanted to talk to you guys. So I figured just audio is better than nothing. So (laughs) um, don't worry, though. There's still a lot to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to it. Usually the holiday weeks are slow. There's not a lot of action. And I was surprised that YNR wrapped up the Victoria kidnapping storyline on a holiday week. And I'm, I don't know, that whole storyline, it was so out of the blue and now wrapped up so quickly. Um, they did a little bit of build up on it. Victor... And Nikki sitting back at Victoria's house worrying about how she's doing. Victor trying to take charge of the situation, even though he's decided to not physically go to Miami to rescue her. He's got people that he's hired to find her and stake out the houses where they might be. And it's a dangerous situation. The whole reason that only Billy was going was because they didn't want to show that Victor had involved anyone else. So I don't know. It bothered me that Victor was a little callous about just having professionals in there. He's he's a take charge kind of guy. He wasn't going to just let this go easily. I, I mean, specifically, Eddie G was like, no cops, nobody. And if you try anything funny, I'm going to kill her. And it felt like Victor was playing with that a little bit too much. Like he was taking a chance a little bit too much. He seemed almost too calm sitting there in the living room, perfectly fine to let his professional people go in and potentially do something that could cost Victoria her life. Nikki is standing there in the background begging Victor to not do this, to keep his people out of it. Just let's give him the money and get Victoria back. I don't want to do anything that's going to harm her. And even Nikki, she felt like she was a little bit too helpless throughout this whole thing. It, I don't know. It was very, very stressful. Nick and Billy were the ones that got on the plane to go to Miami to actually do the exchange. And Nick and Billy cannot agree on anything to save a life. They were arguing and bickering about every little step along the way. It was, it was absolute chaos. Meanwhile, at the uh, kidnapping site, Victoria is still trying to talk some sense into Eddie G. She's still trying to play on his emotions and his desire to see his kid once again. She's offering him double the money to help her get escape, and also she will reunite him with his child. It's funny that Billy has gone on and on at great lengths to say how cold-blooded Eddie G is when he's, really, he's a pussycat. He's got a soft spot for his kid, which Victoria has found. And even though at the end of last week's show, 
he realized that she was using that to to get to him to potentially get out of this situation and he threatened to kill her at the end of friday's episode by the time we get around to this week she's still pushing that button and he's still falling for it it was weird this guy did not give me cold-blooded did not give me that vibe at all but it was clear that he was starting to fold a little bit there was a delay in the air so Nick and Billy weren't able to get to Miami as quickly as they were hoping to so there was uh, this time where Eddie G and Victoria are hanging out at this house thinking is Billy going to show up as if he was just going to not do anything but (laughs) still there's this moment of where is Billy and they're waiting 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 Eddie G is almost faltering when a bullet comes through the window and kills him dead out of nowhere i was my eyes were glued to the screen think like what is what is happening (laughs) right now all of a sudden he's dead i had a moment where i thought oh good that must be victor's guy who got a clear line of, a clear shot of Eddie G, decided to take him out and rescue Victoria, but that wasn't what happened at all. Another guy comes in the door, who looked strikingly in the dark, in the darkness of this scene, like Wayne Newton. (laughs) And he revealed that Eddie G was just working for him and hoping to get a piece of the money, but he's the real brains behind this operation. Wayne Newton was behind it the whole time. (laughs) Little did we know. So this guy is actually more menacing than Eddie G. So you get a sense of, oh, great, out of the frying pan into the fire. And meanwhile, Eddie G had dropped his phone. Victoria was able to pick it up and make a connection with Billy. And they were able to trace the phone call and find her. So out of the darkness, Nick and Billy lunge at Wayne Newton. And (laughs) they were able to just uh, get him out of the way, rescue Victoria. And it's all fine. It's all resolved. It was so quick. The whole thing was so, huh? And then, what? And then, whoa, okay, it's over. Um, Nick and and Billy got her onto the jet and are bringing her back to Genoa City. She has said nothing. She's on the plane with this distant look in her eyes. Her entire world has been shaken. Nick is the one that's holding her. Billy is off in a chair, off to the side. I'm sure feeling quite guilty and grateful but realizing that holy crap this is probably the end of his marriage as soon as everybody gets back to genoa city victor is going to tell victoria right away that billy knew where he was in la that entire time when he had amnesia and whatnot so that's just going to be i think the final nail in the coffin i don't see how Victoria is going to be able to forgive him for this. Not that it's, I mean, it's something, this whole gambling debt, yada yada, is something that happened a long time ago. But getting kidnapped because of something that your husband screwed up, no matter what, 
that's got to affect the relationship. And I can't say I really blame her. I would probably leave Billy if that had happened to me. It's a traumatizing situation. And if that didn't do it, Victor is going to. He is not only going to reveal that information to Victoria, but he is going to be pushing, pushing, pushing. He is going to have all kinds of uh, information that he's going to be feeding her to try to get her away from Billy. And I... I can't imagine that it won't work. I'm, I'm looking at Victoria and I'm thinking, I just don't see how she is ever going to be able to see Billy the same way again. In other storylines that have fizzled, Michael decides to just drop the charges against Paul. Just like that, it's all over. The Paul murdering Ricky storyline is over. We have waited since the end of June. Ricky died in the end of June. It has been months of this cat and mouse, and there was the shadowy figure in the alley that that was hanging around the knife, and the flowers that were sent to Ricky's grave, and... You really got a sense that there was something more going on, that there was going to be a big reveal, and now it's just over. I really, really thought that Ricky was going to be alive at the end of this, and now that's totally dashed. It just seems like YNR is deciding to, to drop it that they don't want to pursue it, which it really sucks because either way, whoever the shadowy figure is, I'm never going to believe that Ricky's dead. I still think it was Ricky. But even if they decided to do a twist and make it Isabella, that would have been awesome. Or even Patty, just something would have been better than nothing. I feel that this is the most disappointing end to a storyline that I've had in forever. It's just ugh. It is double ug. <laughs> and I don't even believe or understand why Michael has decided to have a change of heart now. All of a sudden, he saw the video of Ricky murdering his girlfriend, which really had no bearing on the case. It's interesting to know. <laughs> it's good that they found it. It does prove that Ricky was dangerous, but it does not have any direct correlation to Paul's case, and yet it was enough to make Michael decide, meh, alright, let's just drop these charges. And even Michael came to Paul and gave him a letter of of acquittal or something, and said to him, you know, my wife Lauren is the one that reminded me that you're, what is it, justice is nothing if, I can't remember what he said, he had some kind of big, just change of heart about how he knows Paul didn't really do it, so he didn't want to prosecute him, it's not about the law, it's about justice, or something like that, it was his big idea, and I'm just thinking, he, Michael couldn't have had this revelation in July, Lauren has been telling that him that all along. Everyone has been telling him that all along. Chris, Nina, Ronan even, everyone. And now he has a change of heart? <laughs> I am so disappointed, YNR. Really wanted more for that. <sighs> and it seems as if Paul is just going to float into the background now. That's what I'm afraid of, but I, I just have a feeling that that's what it's going to be. I would like to see some 
something else, some kind of more finish. I mean, we did get the sense after Paul's acquittal that he, you know, may be acquitted, but he's not free. He's not free of the demons that are in his head now. He still has to live with the fact that he murdered his only son in cold blood, and even all of the things leading up to that, that he wasn't a great father, that he wasn't there for him, that Ricky, there, that there were signs that Ricky was reaching out to him and Paul just didn't see it and Paul just ignored it and that Paul was constantly so focused on his own life that he didn't focus on his son and what his son would have needed and, you know, the things that would have maybe made him not turn out to be a serial murderer. <sighs> there was a scene where Paul kind of ceremoniously and sadly threw away a bunch of cards that Ricky had made for him as a child. And it was a sad moment. I, I just don't want it to go away. I don't want it to be sweeped under the rug, but I just think it will be. And I'm also, I'm surprised by how this is taking a turn into a Chris and Paul reunion. I just, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I don't know. I thought Paul was in love with Nina. And I thought that Chris and Danny were kind of finding their way back together. They had that, they had sex <laughs> a couple of months ago or weeks ago. And it seemed, I, I even seem to remember Chris and Danny in bed and Chris saying something to him like, I don't want to do this unless it's for real or I need you to know what this means to me. And I completely got the vibe that they were sleep, that they're sleeping together meant, all right, we're together now and we're going to make it work. And now all of a sudden, Chris and Paul are in love with each other. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it at all. <laughs> Paul has been irritated with Chris, it seems, throughout most of this trial. First of all, for pursuing the whole hit-and-run thing against Phyllis. And he fired her as his lawyer, even. Uh, not that that not that he fired her it, as a negative thing, but it just, I didn't, I have not gotten love from them. I mean, I always en enjoyed Paul and Chris, but I also always, even when they were together, had the sense that it was by default. Paul loved Chris. Chris loved Danny. It's always been that, so why should it be any different now? And it bothers me that Paul has decided to, it seems, kind of throw away his relationship with Nina, or, you know, it may even be that Nina realizes that Paul is in love with Chris. It basically, it goes like this. Nina is in love with Paul. Paul is in love with Chris. Chris is in love with Danny. So it's this weird chain of nobody really being together that wants to be together. It's a chain of default romances. And I feel bad for Nina in all of this. I can't help it. She is the one where my that my heart lies with. And it annoys me to no end that she has confronted Paul about the fact that she caught him kissing Chris. And Paul had the gall to lie to Nina. He, he told Nina right to her face that, no, 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 I'm not in love with Chris. Well, Paul already admitted to Lauren, not even last week, maybe the week before, that he is still in love with Chris. So why lie right to Nina's face? Paul 
is a player. That's what it's coming down to. Paul would have his cake and eat it too. <laughs> or maybe he just thinks he can't get Chris. I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't want Nina being the default. And in all fairness, I guess, Nina really hasn't been around him very much. She apparently went off to L.A. or something to work on her book or her movie while Paul is going through this most horrible time of his life. So, I, I mean, she should have been there for him. But still, I, I don't like it. Nina Nina seems like she's not going to be second place. So I think she's, even though Paul is insisting he still wants to be with her, Nina is not going to have it. I think that she's going to leave him. And I find that disappointing because I really enjoy having Nina on the scene. I want more Nina, not less. Just the way she's talking, I just have a bad feeling that Nina is on her way out. Chelsea has had it with Sharon. Chelsea wants Sharon out of her house, off of the property, which I think is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> I would not allow my husband's ex-wife to be hanging out at the cottage on our property. Because, you know, I have that problem all the time. Me and my palatial estate. <laughs> I don't blame Chelsea at all for wanting Sharon out of the picture. I don't think that Sharon wants Adam back. I don't think that's what Sharon's focus is right now. I think she is truly focused on getting better and being with her kids. But still, Adam is focused on Sharon. And it's causing clear problems in Adam and Chelsea's relationship, which I don't mind. I mean, just to be clear, I, I really, I would prefer if Adam and Chelsea's marriage were not anymore. I, I, I just, I don't feel them together as a couple. And I would eventually like to see them divorce. <laughs> but, I, you know, I can't help but put myself in the situation. It's causing major tension in the household, and I just can't blame Chelsea for that. Uh, Chelsea was standing over Sharon creepily at the end of Friday's show while Sharon was sleeping. And as soon as Sharon woke up, she saw Chelsea standing there and is like, what are you doing? I mean, do I not, am I not allowed some privacy? And Chelsea straight up told her, this is my house. This is my property. And I don't really want you here, which caused Sharon to hightail it. And I don't blame her either. It's I don't I don't think that situation has helped Sharon very much. Um, I think it was time for her to get out of there. Sharon took her bag and left. Of course, Adam finds out that Sharon has left and puts two and two together that Chelsea was down there and that the two had argued or talked or one way or the other, that Chelsea was the one who caused Sharon to flee. And very, very interesting and telling moment, Adam becomes extremely worried about Sharon, where she has gone. She has not taken her meds with her. She could be out there anywhere. What's happening to her? I'm worried. And Adam straight up tells Chelsea that she's responsible if anything happens to Sharon. Whoa, right? That was bold. <laughs> I can only imagine how that would make Chelsea feel. Oh, really? It's all about Sharon and Sharon's feelings and not my feelings? Besides, Sharon is a big girl. She is fine. 
all she did was go home. She went back to the ranch. She went to Nick's house, actually, to go see Noah. And Noah is as being very good for her right now. He's talking with her. Noah probably would have been someone to help her more in the first place rather than Adam. If Noah would have been aware of her condition, she is very much letting him know that she has been diagnosed as bipolar and that she needs medication and that she's trying to get better. And she confessed to Noah that she burnt down the ranch and asked for his help. And Noah has always been so judgmental when it comes to his mother and father. And it is actually nice to see Noah um, having a, a much more mature attitude toward it or accepting, I guess, it would be difficult to have Sharon as a mother. It really, really would. But he's being much more accepting of it. You know, it's funny because it occurred to me, just watching how erratic Sharon is, <laughs> it occurred to me that Sharon is just like Britney Spears. <laughs> Sharon gives me total... Britney Spears vibe. I don't know why I didn't make that comparison before. It's like she has these guardians. Sharon has always been under Victor or Nick or somebody's thumb, and she's trying to rebel against it, and she does these crazy things. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sharon shave her head <laughs> one of these days. It's just she's she is totally unbalanced. She needs the medication. I don't know when it got so bad. I don't remember Sharon ever being this bad before, but she is, and she needs help. And, it, you know, I actually someone made the point to me last week that I really can't appreciate, that it almost is seems like Sharon has, as bad as she's been, she has been a little more interesting within the last year. Sharon was never a character to really be talked about, and she really has been the character to be talked about within the last year, and now putting her back on medication might be kind of sending her back into boring zone. I'm just hoping that she gets comes back and is somewhere in the middle. She doesn't have to be boring, helpless, poor angel Sharon, but she doesn't have to be this crazy, wicked... Uh, pyromaniac version of herself either. I just hope she takes the medication and it gets her somewhere back in between. And I don't know, there is a part of me that does hope eventually that she does get back with Adam. I know they've never really been good for each other, but I just, I want Adam out of his relationship with Chelsea. I don't want Sharon with Nick. And there's really no other guys there for her. It, you know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a romance. I think Sharon should start a business or get a job or start modeling or do something to make her feel good about herself or volunteer or <sighs> buy restless style something something interesting it doesn't always have to be about a man um but it's okay if it is if she gets back together with adam i'm will probably be a sucker for it as you know but now that sharon is back home she has uh decided to, I, I assume, move back to the ranch, try to get back into normal life, even though Noah tried to take her out to dinner 
this week and she had a complete panic attack. She's she's clearly developed some kind of social anxiety too because she was immediately paranoid that everyone in the restaurant was staring at her, which considering how much she's been in the news and everything she's done, I think that's a pretty reasonable association, but she like ran out of the restaurant and went back to the ranch and it seems like that's where she's going to stay and and try to convalesce. Um, she actually went back after this to Adam's house to try to get her medication, and she had a moment where she apologized to Chelsea and said, I'm really sorry about everything that's happened. I'm I'm gone now, and Adam loves you, and I hope that you guys are able to get your relationship back on track, but I think the damage is done. The trust has been broken, and you can't go back. Adam has done what he's done, and you, you can't undo it. Um, it. Adam and Chelsea had a moment where they sort of um, reconciled and said, let's just forget about all this craziness. Let's forget about the Sharon stuff and just get back to where we where we were. And Adam said to Chelsea that he's done with the Sharon saga, that now that she's gone from the cottage and she's getting back on track he is done with her but I sincerely doubt that that is true I just don't think that Adam is going to be done with Sharon at all I don't I think this is not the end but instead the beginning Phyllis and Jack had a very Woe is me, Thanksgiving. (laughs) Phyllis is very upset that Summer has decided to spend her Thanksgiving with Avery instead of with her mother. And I can't blame Summer. (laughs) In a way, would you rather hang out with Phyllis and Phyllis probably talking all about her problems and not really paying attention to anyone else? Or would you rather get a good home-cooked meal (laughs) from Avery? Plus, Phyllis is complaining that Summer has made this choice, but I didn't see Phyllis even trying to put something together. Was Did Phyllis invite Summer over? I didn't even see that. Did Phyllis cook and extend the invitation? Or did Phyllis just want to complain that her Thanksgiving wasn't what she was expecting? <sighs> Phyllis. It just seems like she... She wants to repair her relationship with Summer, but she doesn't seem to be really trying or really doing anything about it. She wants to blame Avery for taking over her life, but Phyllis isn't trying to be better. She isn't trying to bridge the gap. And Jack is a lot the same way. To be honest, Jack is lamenting to Phyllis about how if he you know how about about how the Abbott house used to always be filled with love and the family and uh, Jack and John and Tracy and Ashley and May May in the kitchen and that those were wonderful times and I I remember that the Abbots I miss that the Abbots had wonderful Thanksgiving they were a great uh, f- they were a great family. Uh, and now it's it's dwindled down to just Jack roaming around in that big old empty house. And that makes me sad. But Jack starts talking about how if he had to do it all over again, he would tell everybody how grateful 
he is for them. Well, only John is dead. John's the only member of the family who's not there anymore. If you're so, you know, if you are lamenting your family and you want to make things right, then go to New York. Go see Tracy. Go see Ashley. I think that Kyle was in New York with them. Why wasn't he there? Jack is exactly the same way as Phyllis. He always wants to complain about how his family isn't what it used to be, and he doesn't want to do anything to make it right. He pushed Ashley away. And I think that that was really where the break in the Abbott family, the last break in the Abbott family happened. Tracy's not mad at him or anything, but... You know, he and Ashley have always been close. They've always been side by side. And I just don't see how he wants to complain about not having any family when he constantly pushes them away. So Phyllis and Jack are just two little peas in a sad, sad pod on Thanksgiving. And the only thing, I guess, like when the emotions are high, the only thing to do is to embrace at the very end of the Thanksgiving Day show. I think it was the Thanksgiving Day show. Jack just scoops her up and kisses her. And Phyllis almost seemed like she was trying to push him away, that she was not ready for that. I won't be surprised at all if on Monday Jack is apologizing for kissing her and Phyllis is like, yeah, I'm not ready for that because I'm really not ready for that. To be honest with you, even though I think that Jack and Phyllis make a fine couple, at the same time, I don't think either of them are really ready for a relationship. Jack was starting to say that he wonders if taking over Newman Enterprises was a mistake, and I think until Jack really gets a handle on who he is and what he wants and is able to follow through with his actions, I don't think that he is going to ever have a successful relationship. He always wants to choose business, and that's always going to get in his way. And Phyllis, it's it's exactly the same thing. She she's She's in love with Nick. She is not ready for another relationship. So even though I think in the future they could have some heat, it is too soon for that. I do not want to see kisses between <laughs> Jack and Phyllis. Not yet, anyway. My favorite scene of the week had to be Jill and Catherine. Jill is wanting to get in and be a co-CEO with Catherine at Chancellor. And Catherine is very reserved about this. She's not sure if it's a good idea. And in in addition, Catherine is worried that Jill has ulterior motives, and why wouldn't she? The history of their relationship is so rocky that uh, you wouldn't... I mean, they've done so many horrible things to each other. If this was just another drop in the bucket, it wouldn't be surprising. But <laughs> Catherine <laughs> faked a heart attack to test Jill. She's given Jill this contract to sign, and Jill's all offended by the contract. So they start to argue, and Catherine just kind of plumps over all of a sudden. She's like, oh, 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 <laughs> fakes this heart attack, 
And Jill starts freaking out. She's saying, oh, no, Catherine, don't do this. Not over business. Not, not, not for as much as we've, you know, as we've argued. Don't, don't die on me. And all of a sudden, Catherine just pops right up like a jack-in-the-box with bright eyes, completely fine. <laughs> And says, I was just testing you. I just needed to know how you really felt about me. <laughs> it was so classic. It was so cute. That was my favorite moment of the week. And even what followed was fun because the two women just kind of, well, at first Jill was so mad. <laughs> I think Catherine almost gave Jill a heart attack in reverse, but... Jill was very mad at her for that. And Catherine just said, you know, you have to admit that for as much animosity as we have toward each other, you enjoy the love-hate relationship. You can't deny it. And it's true. I think that they love each other and uh, hate to love each other. And it's, it's such a classic, wonderful dynamic. I enjoyed it so much. It was a nice little scene and my favorite of the week. And Jill turned around, (laughs) I think probably just to get up under Catherine's skin. That's what she does best and invited Tucker, the black sheep to the Thanksgiving meal which totally turned everyone off. Catherine didn't want to have anything to do with him. Devon was there, didn't want to have anything to do with him, especially after all the crap he pulled with Sharon. Everybody hates him. Devon actually left the meeting. He said, I'm not going to, or the the meal. He didn't want to have anything to do with Tucker. Catherine, at Jill's insistence, did end up extending a hand and just, you know, trying to decide to, to try to uh, repair the relationship a little bit. But Devon wasn't having it. Devon just hightailed it out of there to go be with his real father, to go be with the father that he's all, you know, that he's always known. And um, it was essentially uh, Neil and Lillian Kane all at a restaurant and Devon shows up and they had a nice little time. But it was also revealed earlier um, that Devon is out of the music business. Apparently his company is just not doing well. When Angelina left, oh, the whole record company probably just fell apart. But, you know, his business is is failing. I mean, didn't he have financing from Catherine? I don't know how that business went under. But it, it, it may be a little bit sad because Devon has been interested in music for as long as I can remember. It was almost his way of rebelling against the hearing loss. All of a sudden, you know, he you know wanted to be involved in music, and he was able to do that despite his handicap. And now, you know, I'm kind of sad that his dream is over, just like that. But, you know, at the same time, I understand it. Neil offered Devon a job at Jabot, Which actually, Tucker offered Devon to start, you know, money to start another record company. And Devon said, no, I don't want to be beholden to you, of all people. Uh, So so Devon decided to take Neil's job and go work at Jabot. And I understand that. I think it's important to get these companies back on track. We need some employees at, at, at these companies. So as sad as I am to see... Uh, the music business gone. I think having Devon at Jabot, it, it's a signal that we're getting back 
into more business related storylines. People are actually working at Chabot and Newman and Chancellor, and that's good. That's what I want. It's focusing back in on the core companies, which is the core of the show. So I think it could be a good thing. Um, one other note, just again, uh, Allie, Allie's prediction. I think, I think Drew is coming back. I, th- I think within the last couple of months, there have been so many mentions of Drew that have not been there in so long. Maybe they're just trying to placate us. I don't know. But it was funny to see Sharon during the um, her almost wedding to Tucker slash Victor funeral talking about Drew, how she was her best friend. And now again on Thanksgiving, Neil was bringing up Drew to Devon. And that's, of course, natural. I'm just saying within the context of the show, within the last couple of years, they really have not mentioned Drew. And now it seems that it's getting peppered in there a little bit more. And now Leslie has decided to also take Neil's job offer at Jabot. And I, I, I just wonder if we're gearing up for bringing Drew back and having a triangle and just really building up the Winters family again. And if that's the case, I think it would be amazing. Just when we thought Tag and Grab was over on its last legs, Tucker is going to offer to invest in Tag and Grab. Darn it! It's so weird because at the as the week began, Kevin was talking about just being done with it. That he couldn't buy Adam out and he didn't have the money to continue. So he was just going to let tag and grab go and I was cheering in the background I'm like hooray I'm ready to be done with tag and grab and I'm annoyed now that it's getting another chance although who knows maybe they're gonna go somewhere good with it maybe it's gonna somehow integrate into those other business storylines but what is really really bugging me is Kevin. I don't understand him anymore. I don't understand his character. I thought he enjoyed running the coffee house. It seemed to fit his fun personality. And it's just, he he's getting no joy from that right now. I don't know why ta- he has attached his own personal failure or success to Tag and Grab. It's a company. It's a startup. It's an idea. It's a project. It's success or failure does not reflect on who you are as a person. And he's just taking it that way. He feels that he is not happy in his life. I mean, he Kevin seems to be really reaching for something right now, really struggling to find himself. And I don't know where it's coming from. Or where it's going, but all I can think is, what is so wrong with his life? <laughs> money is only money. It it doesn't it doesn't say anything about who you are as a person. I mean, I've been I've had a lot of money and been miserable, and I've been poor and happy. So it's it's not it's not, money is in no way a reflection of your value as a person. So I don't, I, it's just, it's crazy to me that Kevin doesn't get that and that he's so unsatisfied with his life when there's nothing wrong with his life. As far as I can tell, 
None of the people on this show have it bad at all. I love classic YNR episodes. On Friday, we got the encore presentation of Victor and Nikki's last wedding. It might not even be the last wedding. It was their 2002 wedding. I don't, what was it, you guys? Was it the second wedding? Third wedding? I don't even know. I've lost count of Victor and Nikki's weddings. But the whole episode was framed with Nikki and Victor obviously getting married uh, the little bit of time before and leading into the actual wedding ceremony. And on the side, Ashley, uh, who is revealing that Abby is actually Victor's daughter. Which I think, I, I, I mean, everybody knew that, right? I, I, I was watching at the time, and I know that Diane Jenkins had Victor's sperm <laughs> frozen, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know why Victor decided to freeze his sperm, but she had it. And Ashley broke into the penthouse and stole the sperm from Diane. She maybe switched it, I think. But at any rate, everybody knew, like the audience always knew that Ashley took that vial and then magically turned up pregnant later. So we always knew that Abby was Victor's daughter. But I think Brad married Ashley, not knowing who the father was. In fact, I think he even said, I don't want to know. Just let's let's get married. I love you and I'll raise Abby as my own. And he did for the longest time. And it's in this episode that Ashley is is coming off of having cancer and she had her post cancer hair, which I hated. I always hate. I don't I think it had to be a wig. It was awful. I hate that hair. I hated it at the time. I hate it now looking in flashbacks. It made Eileen Davidson look so bad. And, I mean, Eileen Davidson looks better today than she did 10 years ago. How is that even possible? Better. She looks better, not just still good. She looks better now than she did then. And I think a lot of it had to do with that horrible, horrible hair. But Ashley had just had cancer. I think she was in remission getting better, but she had this fear that she was going to die, and Abby was never going to know who her real father was, even though Brad was a wonderful father to her in every way. So Ashley makes this video um, revealing to revealing this information to Abby um, that she can do with what she wants. Now, Abby's only a toddler at this time, I don't, and I don't remember how... Abby ended up finding out. I my just as uh, the encore episode was ending, Brad was walking in on Ashley making this video. So I'm not sure if at that time Brad learned that Victor, his one of his huge arch nemesis, was really the father of Abby. I think maybe that's where it was going, and then Abby just found out somewhere along the way. I'm not exactly. Sure, but it, it was, you know, kind of a good reveal. That was that was a pretty big episode. And I loved seeing Brad again. <laughs> Brad was so, so good. They were 
Um, Brad and Ashley married, and, you know, I think they actually had a very good relationship. It was nice to see her and him together. And, of course, there you know, there was all of the wedding stuff that was going on, all of the hoopla that was going on. John was still alive ten years ago, and Jack was there at the wedding, married to Phyllis. Um, it, it was... It was a good episode. The whole, the, the wedding part of it opened up. I think, in fact, the first scenes of this episode was Victor <laughs> looking in the mirror, getting ready for his wedding and combing his mustache. <laughs> oh, I wish that I was doing video this week because I could do a good impression of Victor combing his mustache. Can you believe that? Combing his mustache. Oh, it was so good. I laughed out loud a couple times. I'm still laughing about it. But it was nice seeing him in his tuxedo, getting ready, walking around with one hand in his pocket. You remember that? He doesn't do it as much anymore, but he would always have one hand in his pocket, the other hand free. But it was, it was the, the classic Victor stance. And you had Nikki getting ready in the bridal suite with old Victoria, original Victoria, um, there at her side, Heather Tom, who's now on Bold and the Beautiful, that I am watching and enjoying seeing her. Gosh, just sideline. The old Victoria and the new Victoria are very different. The old Victoria, boy, she had balls. She really did. The old Victoria was feisty. Current Victoria has always been cold, and um, as of late, I think, very kind of ditzy almost. I don't know, that's just me. But um, old Victoria had some bite in her, and I do miss that. I do miss seeing Heather Tom as Victoria. Uh, and Sharon also was in the wedding party. Cassie was still alive, and it was kind of, they were her, they were Nikki's little uh, attendants for the wedding. And and Sharon, I, I guess there was a mention from Victor to Nick that Sharon might have been pregnant. I don't know. I, I maybe have missed that, but I don't know who Sharon was, pre uh, what, what she was pregnant with. Did Sharon and Nick lose a baby after Noah? Cause I just don't, I, I, I don't remember, remember, huh? It's kind of fuzzy in my memory, but you know, it's, it was funny to see Sharon still messed up. She was messed up even back then. The issue, there was something going on. I don't know what... I, I wish you guys could tell me. I, I'm sorry that I can't provide this information to you, but there was something going on where there was an uncomfortableness between Nick and Sharon, and Victoria knew about it, I think, and was bullying Sharon all the way. I mean, old Victoria, she was super aggressive on Sharon. Um, it was It was interesting to see. I almost forgot to. Like, I wonder if Sharon Case has had some kind of work done on her ears. <laughs> I know this is random, or if they just don't show them as much anymore, but she has very distinct-looking ears. Is this me? Maybe it's just me, but I always noticed it in the past. Always. Um, and I guess I just haven't seen her ears in a while. <laughs> but she had her hair back for the wedding, and I thought, oh my goodness, I forgot about those ears. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I wonder if she did end up having some work done on them. But uh, it was interesting to see Sharon still scrambling, still being the outcast, even back then. Um, and, of course, it was nice to see 
Cassie's still alive. It was nice to see some of the people in the audience. There was Paul and Isabella there. I love that dress Isabella was wearing. Every time I see a flashback from that particular wedding, I think, oh, she looks so good. Isabella was really quite beautiful. Christine had some weird hair. She was there at the um, at the wedding with Michael as her date, and there was uncomfortableness between her and Paul. And you know who else was there? Lynn. Do you guys remember Lynn? It was Paul's assistant who was always in love with Paul and secretly hated Christine. <laughs> I completely forgot about Lynn. And I think Mary, Paul's mother, always, always wanted Paul to be with Lynn. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was a blast from the past. Miguel was there, I noticed, in the audience. Um, sitting up front with the Newmans. I thought... I'm sure that I'm wrong on this. I'm sure that I'm wrong. But I could have swore I saw Ryan McNeil in the audience. He he probably died before that. He he ended up dying. Um, but boy, there was somebody that sure looked a heck of a lot like him. I think there were a lot of placeholders, just random people um, in the crowd. But it was interesting to see a, a blast from the past of characters. And another little side story that was happening was... Raul, who everybody called Raul, that always drove me crazy. It's Raul, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I, are you completely dense, Raul? Like, nobody could, could, like, all of these white people could not conceive of saying his slightly ethnic name. They had to just say Raul. <laughs> But Raul was in the hospital, apparently, after Brittany had driven drunk and he was in the passenger. Her head tried to stop her or something, but she ended up getting him in the hospital and he was all messed up. His face was all busted up and he was, it seemed like he had lost some sensation in his feet. Um, I, I miss Brittany. I, seeing her... I can't remember what happened to her. I think she just ended up leaving. I don't think she died. But th this, at, at this point of seeing Brittany was before, I believe, before she had the accident where, okay, this is ridiculous. She was stripping at Marcino's strip club. And, well, obviously. And uh, somebody had rigged the stripper pole. <laughs> this is so stupid. To, ha to like, they had wired it or something so that when you touch the stripper pole, you're going to get electrocuted. And Brittany was doing a little dance, and she ended up putting her face on the pole and um, got, like, electrocuted, and it burned off a really good chunk of her face. And she had to have a lot, bunch of surgeries, skin grafting surgeries and whatnot. And the character of Brittany had that scar on her face up until the day she left the show. Um, and she had been dating Marcino at the time, and I think because he had mob connections, that that's what it was. And But they, I thought they had a fun little love story. I actually did enjoy that. Uh, and he was oddly connected to Nikki as well. And and I, like, I apparently uh, that was later. Because I'm pretty sure that was the last storyline, I think, that had ushered Brittany off the scene. Um, although she was involved with JT for a while, too. I don't, maybe that was kind of mid, I don't know. But I don't remember her being with Raul. That was the part that kind of took through me for a loop. Because I don't really remember them being together. I remember Raul and Mac being together, and the Ma Mac we saw 
uh, as well, visiting Raul in the hospital and really giving Brittany the stink eye because she was the one that put him there. And funny that it was the recast of Mac that just never worked. The original Mac was so distinct. I mean, she was, and I think she was the original Mac. The Mac you know. When you think of Mac as a kid, this is her. She was a, a kind of a, yeah, no, it was original Mac. She was a, a, a homeless kid, and she ended up uh, hooking up with Catherine. Catherine found her at a mission, the mission, and it ended up being that, what do you know, she was Brock's daughter. But anyway, the original Mac with the gap tooth was so distinct. She just had a real distinct personality. She had a real distinct look about her. She she played the role a little more raw, a little more tomboyish. And then they recast the role of Mac with this really pretty skinny girl and kind of meek, who we saw in this um, encore episode um, on Friday. And it just never worked. She was a real cute girl, but it just never worked as Mac. Uh, but it was it was interesting to have that flashback. The whole episode was really good, and it of course concluded with Victor and Nikki saying their vows. Just as Ashley was revealing that Victor had this child he didn't know about, and uh, it, you know it was it was good. We we had seen Victor and Nikki's. Uh, saying those vows, they did a recent flashback of it, so it wasn't as, it was a little bit fresher in my memory, The them saying their vows, and the white, pronouncing man and wife, and the rose petals falling down on the crowd, it was good, but at the same time, it was, it's, it was hard to watch, knowing what was going to follow for Nikki and Victor for the next 10 years. And that was heartache after heartache after heartache and never being able to get it together and broken promises and broken dreams. So it was a really, really nice sentiment, but at the same time, kind of hollow too. Okay, podcasterinos. That is about it for me for this week. I did enjoy the flashback episode, and I enjoyed the show this week. I think it was kind of a transitional week. It seems like we're transitioning into new storylines, and there's still some growing pains, maybe, that are happening as we out with the old and in with the new, but there's still a lot to talk about. There's still a lot going on. So I'm interested in hearing what your impressions are, what it is that you guys have to say. So if you want to leave me a comment, there's a couple of ways that you are welcome to do that. First, you can call and leave me a voicemail message. The telephone number is area code 309-588-4569. That's within the U.S., so it's country code 1. Or you could go to my blog and leave me a comment there. You can scroll down to the posting for this week's podcast and just leave a good old text comment there. The blog address is yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Or if either of those ways don't work for you, you can always just send me a regular old email. My email address is yrchatblog.blogspot.com. Dot com. So however, however method works best for you, please feel free. If you have something to say, don't be shy. You can tell me. <laughs> and 
that's that's going to do it for me for this week. So much still to do with the holidays. So crazy. Um, but I will be back next week. Um, regular video portion will be available too. And um, we'll see. We'll see what the next week provides in YNR. I'll be looking forward to it. Okay, you guys. I love ya. And I'll talk to you next Sunday. Okay. Bye.